Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. Today I'm joined with James Belt, who is a church leader, missionary, business owner, and author. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome back everyone to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in to today's episode with James Belt. I'm excited for this one. This is a more of a missionary focused for today and um, know that it is a great call for those who are called into the missions uh, field internationally, but also know that there is a calling to be on mission um, to serve God and glorify him locally in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our house, in our churches, wherever we are, um, to be thinking about the great mission, God's great mission um, in, in his story. So without further ado, in this conversation, we talk a little bit about the work of business um, in the intersection of how uh, that intersects with missions work as well. James talks a little about his backstory and the way in which he found himself in, in uh, Nicaragua, um, talks about poverty and the call to help those who are poor, um, and uh, comes to a realization that it's about hope. Hope Realized is his new book, which is available on August 30th. Um, and we talk about the, the importance of, of physical, of resourcing, um, and even more so the spiritual, social, and um, emotional of really understanding our identity as made in the image of God um, on purpose and for purpose. So here is my conversation with James Belt. James, thanks so much for joining me and the, the guys like us audience here. Thanks, Tyler. I'm excited uh, to jump in. Yes, sir. So um, I'm excited for, you know, you have your book coming out in a few weeks, August 30th. And so without yes. further ado, first, Hope Realize coming, coming, coming out. I know it's been a, it's been a good journey um, and obviously really cool to see, to see it come to, to fruition as well. So first of all, first off, congratulations on, on the book. Thank you so much. Yeah, I honestly, I started writing in December of 2015. So I'm pretty excited seven years later to get it yeah. out there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I know that sometimes as author, you can have the pause moments and then you come back to it and yeah, let's keep it going. And then yep. so a lot of that and then the editing. And so I know the journey. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, but very cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So would love first for, to, to orient our, our, our listeners and our audience. Uh, we have a lot of different folks on. And so I know you have an interest and experience working in international business and missions and, kind of the nonprofit world. And so we'll love to kind of start just by how you got into all of this, right? And obviously yeah. you've you're lived in Nicaragua for some time and are now right now you're in, in Maryland as we were talking, but talk a little bit about your background and how your faith um, and Jesus came into the picture as well. Sure. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Maryland. I am uh, in a family business, grew up around the family business mm-hmm. uh, and through that time, um, really, you know, started to get obviously interested in business mm-hmm. and uh, and just everything business from that standpoint. And uh, as I grew up, uh, my parents were, you know, kind of uh, 
the word that somebody said once was Christer uh, Christians. They went Christmas and Easter, you know, kind of kind of thing. And um, you know, then at some point, my parents kind of got more serious about their faith, and we started going going to church a little bit more. And uh, and I, my family and I, we helped start a church uh, actually in two thousand and two. And so a few years later, our church started to go to Nicaragua. Our pastor said, hey, we should probably be doing something missions related. Uh, you kind of get to a certain point as a church, and you're like, we should probably do, probably do something. Mm-hmm. And so they had a contact uh, named Tim Adams that was doing some work in Nicaragua. He was the executive director of an organization called Orphan Network. Mm-hmm. And um, Orphan Network basically works with feeding centers and orphanages in Nicaragua. So we mm-hmm. started traveling down to Nicaragua with Orphan Network uh, in 2006. And when I say we, I was not included in we. <laughs> so my parents and sister went, and mm-hmm, I, at the mm-hmm. time, I graduated college, I would started a financial planning practice, had kind of left the family business for a little while, mm-hmm. and was doing that, and felt like I was the guy that should write the check, basically. You know, I don't need to go, it's not my role, um, I'm just gonna write the check. However, hmm. my family came back, after their mm-hmm. trip and started coaxing me. And so mm-hmm. it took about a year, but a year later they were going on another trip to Nicaragua and I decided to go ahead and go down. Um, and that was my first introduction to Nicaragua and specifically to a community called El Canyon, which means the canyon in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, we visited an orphanage there, Pointe de Amistad, and uh, I kind of started to fall in love with the country. Mm-hmm. My parents actually eventually adopted a girl from Nicaragua, she was 15 at the time, Emmeline, who's now my sister. Mm-hmm. And through that experience and some opportunities to spend a little more time there, I started to become more interested in uh, in basically poverty and why it exists. Mm-hmm. I had, a, you know, obviously the business background. I majored in finance in college, and mm-hmm. so I started to ask the question: Why is why is poverty still here? You know, that the picture of poverty went from what you maybe see on a commercial, you know, maybe a Catholic Charities commercial where you see the poor, mm-hmm. poor child to uh, Maria Jose, Josue, you know, a face with a name. Poverty was no longer just kind of out there. And so sure. I started to ask, well, why, why in the world is Josue, why, why is Maria Jose, why are these people trapped in poverty despite the fact that they seem to be just as um, intelligent, talented, uh, capable uh, as I am, you know, created sure. by God for, for, you know, as much as I am. And so as I started to ask that question, I started to explore a little bit more about about that question of poverty, um, you know, specifically then also, you know, I have my belief in God and a God who created a sequel. Why why are they you know, stuck in a situation where it doesn't seem like they have the same opportunities I do? Mm-hmm. And so um, I uh, continued to come down in 2011. I was there on a team trip with my church and mm-hmm. I ended up staying a little bit of an extra time and I went on a hike with some kids from the Puente de Amistad Orphanage. And I mentioned that El Canyon means the canyon in English. And so uh, basically this this community, if you could imagine, is is at the valley of two hills. Nicaragua is called the lake, uh, the land of lake and volcanoes. Mm-hmm. And so it, it is down in this valley that even Nicaraguans wouldn't realize people live, live down in it. Uh, it's a very impoverished community. So we had gone on this hike up this hill on the one side of the canyon where you could overlook the canyon and you could see the road in the mm-hmm. distance. And while I was standing up there, I heard uh, not audibly, but in my head, this voice that was, that said basically, where are you going? Um, you know, and I 
my first thought was, where am I going? I'm going back to my comfortable life in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'll keep coming back to Nicaragua. But as I explored that, that question, I felt like God was calling me mm-hmm. to, to give three years of my life to living in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. So I ended mm-hmm. up living in Nicaragua for three years, doing community and economic development, and, uh, and continue mm-hmm. to work with NicoWorks, the organization I work with today. And that's mm-hmm. during that time is how I started to uh, gain a different understanding of poverty and uh, what I believe it takes to, right. to overcome it. So mm-hmm. that's a little background. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. And I know that, you know, for, for folks, some folks may be familiar or have, who are listening, have been to a, on a missions trip or have been overseas. Mm-hmm. And I know in one thing, as you say, in community and economic development, obviously, and for people who are business people, you got to, where's the problem? Where's the need? And yeah. so it's in poverty. And then what are solutions to then, yeah, to give people sustainable lives and to, so that, yeah, so that people who are also made in the image of God, just like us, are able to flourish and thrive. And um, I was looking, you know, is a part in your book as well. You mentioned you you thought you could bring um, some coffee to Starbucks and, and yes. kind of let's make a deal here with Starbucks and um, wasn't quite maybe how as easy as you thought it could be. So can you take take us a little bit into the thought process from a, you know, from a business per kind of point of view of, all right, well, here's the challenges. Let's, let's walk through kind of how you started to then address them and, and, um, and understand. And then I'll kind of unpack more into more into your book as well. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's a interesting story I talk about, you know, that was actually while my, while my parents were adopting my sister, I had the chance <laughs> to go out to this coffee farm in a remote area of the country. And uh, I was out there with a friend and I was you know, green, if, if you were to say, and, and making a difference, specifically in Nicaragua, we're trying to address poverty. And we were meeting with these coffee farmers and I accidentally promised that I could, <laughs> uh, you know, basically take their coffee beans back with me. And I would certainly have a contract for them with Starbucks, you know, within the next few sure, months to sure. help them sell, sell all their coffee. And, you know, as you're saying, I learned that the process is much more complicated, apparently, than that. And that was actually super important to my journey, because it it basically made me ask the question and, and start to think about, okay, maybe I don't completely understand poverty and its root in its byproducts. And so when I actually ended up moving there in uh, in 2012, I came intentionally without a particular agenda. I said, I want to take a minute or two or six months to uh, to really learn what it mm-hmm. is that you know is is creating this poverty mm-hmm. and how i can actually be a part of addressing it as a business person as a leader as a uh, follower of christ mm-hmm. what what can i bring to the table and what's mm-hmm. really holding people captive here mm-hmm. um and i can get you know more into that now or we can yeah unpack that a little more sure sure yeah yeah well i would love to would love to hear you know there's several different kind of th- ways we can go but i think first just yeah what were some of the solutions so to speak that you initially you know have kind of been developing and thinking through and and then there's some other questions i have off that as well sure yeah so as i started to dig deeper as i started to understand poverty and what i um what i would call its root you know we often think of poverty as hunger a lack of education and uh unemployment everything that we see right uh, on the surface um but I see poverty more like an iceberg. And if you kind of know a lot about an iceberg, it's 
10% is above the surface, 90% is below. Sure. And so the byproducts we often see are that is that 10% above the surface. However, there's this root, uh, the 90% that's below that I have found to be hopelessness. Hmm. I call it the lie of hopelessness because I don't believe anyone is truly created uh, to be hopeless mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. by God, but it is this root of hopelessness, both practically, so a lack of a real opportunity, and spiritually, uh, the lack of a, of an identity based in you know how God created us to be, mm-hmm. that we're created mm-hmm. by God who loves us on purpose and for a purpose. And so as I started to gain a deeper understanding of the roots of poverty and what really sustained it, uh, it was addressing both of those issues, so both the practical, um, so creating real opportunities, and the spiritual uh, either creating or, or looking for others that were um, showing people a different picture of, of what they were created for, mm-hmm, that they weren't mm-hmm. necessarily created for a life of less than, that there was mm-hmm. a God who loves them mm-hmm. um, and created them for something right. more. And so as we started to think about that, we, uh, we created, started to create opportunities for people to, uh, to basically use their, their gifts. Um, we have been working in vocational training programs. So in some cases, that's been in carpentry. We've done quite a bit with agriculture, um, mm-hmm. agriculture development programs. We have a bike shop that we've developed, used bikes, um, that's grown uh, into one of the largest used bike retailers in, in Nicaragua, right. actually, right. which is really neat. Um, but all of these things have created created opportunities for people. And then right. we've partnered with churches, as well as our staff, now that we have on the ground there, is really focused in on, uh, at the same time, saying, let's reframe your identity let's let's uh you know you maybe see your life as as destined for less than um Mm -hmm. we don't believe that's true we believe god created you for more and so um let's reframe your identity around what god believes about you um, instead of what you maybe see yourself as because of the the experiences and and your surroundings right so yeah no i think that's really important and i think oftentimes in the, at least in the community and economic development world, that social, emotional, spiritual is not mm-hmm. not emphasized. It's not part of the equation. It's very, it's much, it's very strong on resources, physical, yes. physical needs. And sure, and yes, those are important. The Bible speaks a lot about wealth and poverty and helping those in need, but also wrestling with the poor will always be with you. And I know that's mm-hmm. something you've wrestled with as well. And so as we kind of think about like a theology of wealth or, you know, really thinking how we're using our resources and helping to really that model of like, you know, t- teaching people how to fish, so to speak, too, which I'm hearing as well. And in the, the job type of, um, you know, that job type of empowerment as well. Um, can you talk a little bit about how your maybe your view has shifted or changed throughout the years as you started to see needs and started to see yeah, the importance of identity and social belonging and like what God says about you is like the, in hope, how, how central that really is to like mm-hmm. health, you know? And um, yeah, I don't that makes sense. It does, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, with my business background, I really did go down initially, even really at the time that I moved there, I would say still with the perspective that my job what was needed, I should say, is just the creation of an opportunity. You know, that they just needed someone to, the people in Nicaragua just needed someone to say, I believe in you enough to give you resources. And that is, as you said, that's a big, a big piece, right? 
but I see hope. Uh, one thing I'll say, just to redefine hope a little bit, is yeah. you know, often we think of hope and we say, uh, "I hope something will happen," and it's a bit wishy-washy. You know, right. I hope my team right. will win. I hope right. I'll pass the test. But what I see hope at is it's actually foundational. It's built mm-hmm. on on this belief in a God who loves us, um, mm-hmm. that created us on purpose and for a purpose mm-hmm. and for something more. And so when I talk about hope, I, and I've actually have a chapter in the book I call hope is a noun because it's really that, that foundational, mm. um, to, uh, to who we are, I believe. And so, um, as I've seen it, how to address poverty, I call it all in hope. So instead of just addressing the one prong of, of the resources that are necessary, um, you can bring all the resources you want. And that there's some very clear evidence of this around the world. If you don't address the need for a reframed identity, that's only hmm. going to be so effective. Yes, you know, if you're going to make see some change. You're going to uh, have people that are the uh, maybe the cream of the crop, if you were to think of it that way, that might grab sure. onto that opportunity um, or that maybe already have a, a, a reframed identity that already see themselves as creative sure. or something more. They're going to grab onto that opportunity. But without actually addressing the need for spiritual hope, you're only going to be so effective with the resources that that you employ. And so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what, uh, what my perspective has become is that it's really necessary to go in with that two prong approach to all in hope and saying, we need to think about how to, uh, invest both practical hope and spiritual hope. How, right. how are those things being addressed in this community or in this particular situation? Mm-hmm. If we want to see real change and that's not just the Nicaragua thing, that's wherever poverty right. exists, right. 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 um, that, that, that hope, peace that all in hope is necessary. And I think if we look at the Bible, oftentimes you see Jesus addressing both the practical and the spiritual and, you know, for different reasons, but sure. um, certainly yeah. it was a holistic of, a view of, of, uh, of redemption and restoration, not just right. Uh, right. one or the other. So, right. Right. Yeah. And, then, and that's it. And that's, that's why the Christian, the Christian hope is different than any other hope is that mm-hmm. there is change happening here and now and god is the kingdom right on earth as it is in heaven there's in like a spiritual renewal happening restorations happening here but then there also is this future promise um of hope as well and so there is this like yeah things are here's things things are good creation there's a rebellion there's the curse fall and then we have a promise for what's to come we have christ Mm -hmm. all right now we're in this yeah like Res- post-resurrection we're here but yet there still is this longing for mm-hmm. um uh the kingdom to come and so acknowledging there is brokenness and there is right um but still yeah. things are being built up being put back together being restored i mean that's encouraging and i think that's mm-hmm. everyone can identify with that people can identify with the brokenness but also identify yeah there is moments of real of real hope of real not just yeah the wishy-washy but i can see it happening practically and and even spiritually, I can see God working in in my life and experience yeah. it. So it's really really powerful. Um, one of the, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, um, yeah, what what are some folks I think who are listening? What I was really encouraged was you're like, yeah, I was in financial planning, and then I just kind of took this step, and you know, <laughs> and it, that one did kind of took take you down a different direction, right? And think which is the i think perhaps the scary part for a lot of people listening like, yeah i can do that but that look what happened to james you know but yeah yeah and so but i think also there but i really would encourage folks just to to be to be um yeah to be open and 
to take that next step. And I think oftentimes that next step or that first step can be overwhelming. What would you, what would be an encouragement or some, maybe some practical advice for folks who, you know, are working their, their job or working in business, working in the hospital, working or at home and want to be more involved in this, really this bigger picture of what God is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, first off, I was the reluctant missionary. So um, never dreamed of, you know, living overseas, never dreamed of anything of that sort when I felt like, okay, this is something I, I should do. In fact, I, I, like I said, I kind of tried to pretend like it, it wasn't actually a calling at first. Um, and so I was right there in that same spot. Right. However, uh, as I've kind of looked back on my journey, uh, you know, a few years, few years later, what I've realized is that it really is just that taking a step. Um, and so what I encourage people to do um, first off is not, I'll say this, not everyone is called and not everyone should actually, you know, right. leave their life and go move to Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And that's not even where I started. Um, you know, that certainly isn't where I wasn't like, that was the first, my right. first experience. Right. So, um, what I encourage people to do is to start with being curious. Hmm. So, uh, basically ask yourself some questions, you know, what, why is poverty there? Maybe even why is poverty in your neighborhood? Why is it in the city? Uh, close by. Why does it still exist? You can get some thoughts on that from from my book, Hope Realized, or many other great books mm-hmm. about about poverty. Uh, but why does it exist? Uh, mm-hmm. What is my perspective on poverty and the people that are in poverty? Uh, one thing that I often say to people is, we will uh, treat people based on the way we perceive them. And so, do I really believe mm-hmm. there's hope for people in poverty, or do I see them as hopeless? And how does that impact my Right. A willingness to engage. And so be curious about that. Be curious about why poverty exists. And then and I often say, figure out what you can bring to the table. So um, sometimes, you know, when I when I started going to Nicaragua, we started visiting an orphanage. And I had worked with kids in the past. Uh, I was a volunteer with an organization called Young Life. But still, I mm-hmm. kind of felt like, well, I don't know where my gifts fit into working with uh, young kids in an orphanage. You know, I'm, I'm happy to play and I love soccer. And, you know, we did all that fun stuff. But I wasn't exactly sure how I could make a difference. And as I started to explore a little more, I started to realize, no, there is actually a place for me to bring my particular gift set to the table. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're not in business, but maybe you have an education background. Maybe you're a carpenter. Maybe right. you're right. You, a motivational speaker in some way. There's lots of ways for us to bring our, our particular gifts to the table. So do an assessment and say, what do I actually have? What do I bring to the table that could bring either practical or spiritual hope mm-hmm. to someone? Mm-hmm. Um, not not just in Nicaragua, but maybe just down the down the street. Right, and then right. what I often encourage people is to get connected. So mm. find someone or an organization that's already um, committed to bringing practical or spiritual hope mm-hmm. to people in your particular uh, sphere of influence or somewhere that you would like to to get engaged with, and figure out, talk to them, and figure out is there a way that you can start to engage? Because right. oftentimes that's a great place to start. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, I. When I moved to Nicaragua, I connected with NicoWorks in a large part because I knew they were already engaged there and I wanted to get right. involved in what, what was going on. So get connected. And then the next step is really just to take a step. So take any kind of step. So whether that's reading uh, Hope Realized, my book, or reading another book, or it's taking one of these other steps along the way, right. or more right. maybe it's just saying, hey, I'm going um, I'm gonna to get engaged in, uh, I don't know, English as a second language class in my neighborhood, or I'm going to um, volunteer one one afternoon at something. Um, just take one step, and 
with that willingness to take that one step, what I found is um, first you realize mm-hmm. how much we're created to bring hope to others, the, right. the benefit that we get from that. And two, by taking that step, you, the next steps start to become more clear. So if there is eventually something, you know, for me, again, my journey started really when I was a kid, you know, my dad kind of took me with him on, on adventures to, to helping and serving other people. And right. I, you know, I did many other things before eventually going, even going on a mission trip to Nicaragua and then moving there, mm-hmm. but eventually it led me to that and now to writing, to writing this book and, but it didn't start there, you know, it just started with taking that one step. So don't be, um, you know, held captive or frozen by the fact that, you know, Hey, I have to go be a, I have to go sell my stuff and move to another country. No, just take one single singular step, and that one step, that that willingness to do that, will um, will pay dividends, and uh, mm-hmm. and I believe put you in a position to make the difference that you're supposed to make in whatever mm-hmm. way that is. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's different, and we need all of us. That's mm-hmm. the reality: is that um, that you have something to offer if you're listening uh, and you're wondering. I mm-hmm. believe that's true, right. and that uh, when you engage, you know, we'll all be a little better off for it. So, mm-hmm. no, thank you, and I love that point of taking that step, and that next step provides more clarity as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the greatest thing that we're, yes. we're looking for in our walk. With walk is people of faith. If you're listening, you know, um, that that's that's an important part, right? Is it, we sensing, are we discerning well what God is wants to what our calling is in this time in this season, and then think that's a that's a really good encouragement what is yeah. some of the best advice you've received oh good question um wow let's see they've received a lot of really good advice yeah. but i would say first you know be willing to listen is a big one you know be willing to observe and listen you know oftentimes we come in with kind of our perspectives and agendas and, and things of that sort and it blocks uh and prevents us from learning and from seeing something that maybe would would open our eyes to a different perspective or give mm-hmm. us even just a little more clarity on on our own perspective and so that's a been a really right. a really good one and then don't and then also sometimes block out some of the voices that are saying things to you that aren't true mm-hmm. um you know i've one of the ways that i as i wrote the book i realized that hope both practical and spiritual has played a huge role in my life mm-hmm. and sometimes people speaking things that weren't true also played a role and so sometimes we need to be willing to to listen but also to to discern you know right. <laughs> which right. which voices are that's right are good that's so, right yep. yeah that's good um just to, to as we wrap up and conclude um book is going to be available august 30th um you can pre-order it now it's available what what, what is the best website place to to find you and to um if they would like to pick up a copy as well of the book Sure. Thanks for asking. Yeah, you can go to my website, jameshbell.com. And on the website, you can find a link. Uh, you can order the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, really anywhere you can you can buy your books. Uh, but uh, if you go to my, my website, you'll actually find a place where you can pre-order and then claim pre-order bonuses mm. that you can get from now until August 30th uh, that go along with the book. And so that is uh, that's the best place to go. Awesome. Well, James, it's been an honor and a privilege and Thank you for um, for all that you do and um, for serving God and loving uh, your neighbor as well. And so thank you so much. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it.